In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Hey there, this is Michael B. Moynihan, Lookout Bear from Zoobly Zoo, and you are listening to Bull Spit with Moose. Hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bulls. Okay, we need to make a couple quick adjustments here, here, and here, and you know what? Yeah, I think that's better. Away we go. Everyone up! Welcome, Moose Pack, to an all-new episode of Bull Spit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. Gotta get a quick shout-out to our listeners in Slovakia. Thank you for tuning in. You know, they always said there's daring intervention when Lookout comes to call, and that's exactly what I have to offer for you on this very special episode. Allow me to introduce guest of the show and a childhood icon of mine, Mr. Michael Moynihan. Hey, hey, Moose. Hey, everybody. Hey, Slovakia. Hey, Michael, how's it going? It's going great. It's so nice to hear from you, Moose. Glad I was able to reach you. You know, wrangling you guys is, you know, it's rough. The elusive Zoobles of Zoobly Zoo. <laughs> Started out as a snipe hunt, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have to thank you. I mean, you've been instrumental in helping me with uh, getting these interviews underway, and you've been a big part of making these interviews happen so i appreciate your assistance i'm so happy to help you know we stay in touch the cast of zoobly zoo it was such a a wonderful experience and continues to be for all of us and so we do keep in touch and um and we always share stories with each other about people who contact us and uh who appreciate the work we did and and so i'm happy to help um get the word out uh and and introduce you to to the rest of the cast. See, and on here in a couple of days, you guys are doing a live Zubily Zoom. Now wait a minute, who guys are doing it? We all are. You're doing it too, aren't you? I am. I get it. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you know, uh, so many people have been having reunions via Zoom, and I've had, uh, you know, the cast of other projects that I've been involved with over the years contact me. Hey, we're getting together over Zoom. And, I, and it's great. It's great getting back together. But I haven't looked forward to any of them as much as I look forward to the Zoobly Zoom that we'll be doing on Monday. And thank you for agreeing um, to help us with that. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I, I, I'm super excited to see, you know, all of you guys get together. And uh, while we can't get new content, at least as fans, we can get, you know, the cast back together and get new memories, as it were, to uh, well, keep, you know, keep everything going. Yeah. And who knows, maybe new content will be uh, soon to come. Who knows? But for now, you're right. We'll have great memories and we'll get together on Monday and share those memories via Zoom, uh, and uh, Zubarus will get to call in and ask questions. Zubarus who are now in their thirties and forties. <laughs> Zubarus. So yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, beginning of the month, you just had a birthday. You're right. End of the month, April thirtieth. That's right. End of the month, um, beginning of 
the, the first time we tried this interview. Yeah, that's right. And it was an interesting birthday, maybe my most interesting ever being in quarantine. And um, we did get a chance to a couple of friends got together and we uh, social distanced around the pool and uh, had a good time and shared some cake and laughs. And uh, and I'll never forget that birthday. Yes, I did. You know, when you got to do your birthday via FaceTime and screens, it's they say we're living in a digital age. You know, who knew you'd be uh, celebrating via digital mediums? Yeah, yeah. Well, on behalf of uh, you know, Moose Media Inc., happy birthday. And Thank you. I uh, do have a gift for you. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, give me a second. <laughs> okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Michael. Happy birthday to you. What a wonderful gift. Thanks, Moose. You're very welcome. Now, looking at the information and stuff that you sent me and everything, what kind of what kind of a kid was Michael Moynihan? I mean, you were a very active kid, obviously, and we'll get into that in a minute, but were you like, you know, were you the uh, well-behaved kid or, you know, were you kind of the goofball? You know, what kind of stuff did you get into when you were a kid? I guess a little bit of everything. You know, I grew up the second oldest of five brothers. And so we were all well-behaved. Um, my mom and dad were great and uh, strict at times, but we also were goofballs, all of us. And we were always getting into some type of mischief, never, never really mean stuff, just fun stuff, goofy stuff. You know, we'd come home covered head to toe in mud because uh, we, when it would rain, the whole neighborhood, we would play mud football on the golf course at the end of the block. Stuff like that. We'd be covered in mud. Um, or, uh, of course, the, the one time we were down on the golf course playing football, the police brought us all to the police station in a paddy wagon covered in mud, and our parents had to pick us up from the police station. But it was always something. We were always, uh, you know, going back to Lookout Bear, it was, every day was an adventure in our neighborhood. And we made it fun and adventurous, and we would get into all kinds of mischief. But um, we were also good kids. We looked after each other. We um, protected each other. And, um, uh, you know, we kind of were a, our own little vigilante group. If anybody was in trouble and needed help, we were going to help them out. And so it was it was a great way to grow up. It, it was in uh, Orange County, California, a suburb of Los Angeles. And... Uh, it was great. We also were very active in the martial arts. My dad was a third degree black belt and um, we trained in the martial arts and competed on the weekends and tournaments. Um, it was a great childhood, great way to grow up. I say, and yeah, it was all five of you, wasn't it? The, the, the yep, one and five. five. That's right. <laughs> you, you took kind of a odd curve. You went from martial arts to, and I guess it's not too odd because, you know, as you and I've talked about before, it's still performing. But you went from martial arts to stage acting. Yeah, it was just something that I always felt drawn to, always growing up. And I remember seeing my uncle, who I'm named after, uh, Michael Moynihan, and he, uh, I saw him in a play, and. I saw all these people focus their attention on him. He was alone on stage at one point. And I noticed he has the focus of everybody in this theater. And and what he did with that focus was like magic. It was just great and made, you know, made us feel different emotions. And and I thought, "Wow, that's cool. I want to do that." And it was something I never forgot and and when I started 
um, taking acting lessons, singing lessons, dancing lessons. I always remember that feeling of how cool it was to see my uncle on stage and everybody, uh, you know, focus their all their attention on him. And so maybe um, maybe I'm a narcissist and I need that, but uh, uh, that was cool to me. And so I worked really hard to be able to do that. And I got a lot of real lucky breaks um, early in my career that um, made it possible for me to, to work on stage and and, um, and do the roles that, that really excited me. So you got discovered at a really uh, early age. I was still a teenager when I was uh, cast in the Main Street Electrical Parade at Disneyland. And I'd already been doing stage work. i already been uh, working in plays and musicals live musicals and i auditioned for the parade at disneyland and got a good part in it and at that audition there was an, an agent a hollywood agent uh and he approached me and asked if i would be interested in having representation for film and television work and of course that's where i wanted to go anyway so uh i met with him and and the agency signed me and that's when i started uh really taking my career to that level where i was working in television a lot of television commercials, and I've done those throughout my career, which has been really uh, kind of my bread and butter. Um, and But I'm still with that same agent all these years. That was, I'll tell you what year that was, 1981, and still with them. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the first commercial you ever did? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because it was soon after that agent signed me, and I was still... Uh, working in the summers in the Disneyland parade. It was that same, it was only a month or two after he signed me and they sent me on my first audition and it was a national commercial for Wheaties, the cereal Wheaties. And they had this campaign where they would show people doing something and then at the end they say, uh, they say, before a day of something, something, I get the Eaties for my Wheaties. And I was on my high school volleyball team in the commercial and I go up and I spike a volleyball and I say, before a day of spike and volleys, I get the Eaties for my Wheaties. <laughs> that was it. And I got to tell you, to, to me, it was so much fun. I, I was on a set for the first time and gone through, you know, oh, uh, report to the makeup department, uh, report on set and uh, started to kind of learn, get the ropes of what it is to work on a real professional television set. And, it was exciting for me. Well, then uh, a couple, maybe, I don't know, three or four weeks later, because uh, that commercial went went on the air right away. And I remember being on our driveway. We had a, a basketball hoop. We were all playing basketball. The mailman comes with the mail. And there's something from my agent. And my first thought was, oh, no, maybe things didn't go so well. They're, they're dropping me. I don't know. I open it up, and it's a residual check, my first ever residual check. And it was for some, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. But to me, a teenager and all my buddies around me, uh, you're rich. Look, we're rich. That's kind of what we said. We're rich. We're rich. <laughs> and the, you know, it, I thought, wow, for working on that commercial, one day shoot, had so much fun, met great people, and I get paid for it. <laughs> so it was, uh, to me, that was like, uh, the confirmation that this is what I want to do. You know, it's fun and you get paid. Well, see, and that's because you, you, you had mentioned, you know, maybe you're a narcissist. And I think everybody wants to be the center of attention yeah. on 
one level or another, even even the hardcore introverts end up wanting to be the center of attention. Yeah. And it's how you get that attention that sets you apart. Huh. And with actors and actresses, they, you know, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'll throw myself in this one occasionally. Uh, we, we tend to we, we like portraying other people. We like mm-hmm. you know we, we like the ability to go up, put on the character, and because it's not us up there in the spotlight. Yeah, like. On Zubilee Zoo, it wasn't Mike Moynihan. Mm-hmm. It was Lookout Bear. Oh, yeah. You know, Lookout Bear was in the spotlight. Right. You know, so I, I don't think it's so much as narcissism as much as it's you like being other people. Yeah. You know, that is a, a great way to, to look at it. And uh, you're right. Yeah. You know, it's a, you, you get the opportunity to walk, at maybe not a mile, but at least a little bit in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. You're right. I don't think I'd want to do it. If I didn't have fun, there were, I, I remember jobs over the years where it just wasn't fun. And, you know, a uh, couple jobs, one in particular was another show at Disneyland. Uh, we had been in rehearsals and then they introduced an element into the show that, uh, we hadn't agreed upon before that and i said no you know that's gonna make this not fun for me and and had to bow out right before the show opened um and i felt terrible but it just it changed the whole uh atmosphere that we would be working in and you know this isn't i don't want to do this every day and and that's kind of uh for me over my whole career i've i've had that feeling i want to be able to enjoy the work that i'm doing uh and if i'm not enjoying it i'd rather do something else you know well, and I agree. A, a job should be a job, not a chore. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and people, you know, when I say that, people are like, what's the difference? You know, well, chores are things you have to do on a daily basis that have to get done regardless. You know, laundry is a chore. Dishes yeah. is a chore. Right. You're not going to make that fun, but it has to get done. Yeah. You can find a job that you're qualified for and you can still wake up every day and look forward to going to. And yeah. if, if you can't find that in your current job, please go find something else. Don't make your own life miserable and get stuck in something you hate. Yeah, I agree. You were also on uh, Family Ties a bunch of times. Yeah, I wouldn't say a bunch of times, three times, um, but enough to... More than once is a bunch. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, That was a a great experience. And once again, uh, early in my career... Um, and got to got to work with people I had already begun to look up to, um, and it was a, a really great experience. A wonderful cast and um, Michael J. Fox, of course, uh, and um, Meredith Baxter Burney was someone who I had a huge crush on as a young person. And getting to work with her was really cool, and and, and that led to other work. So it seems like uh, you know you do do a good job on one set, and and you're welcomed on to the next one. Well, and that that seems to be what my understanding of the acting world is. It's each job leads to you. You're it's basically you're only as good as your last gig. So yeah, if really. you're not good, if you don't do a good job on your current one, the odds of moving to a next one just dropped drastically. Yeah, and I, you know, one of the things that I have have always heard, you know, over my career is, boy, it's it's easy to work with you, and because I enjoy it. And then the word gets around where, hey, this guy has a good time. He does his job. Uh, you know, he doesn't make problems. And that's helped me a lot, too. Uh, I, I just, I enjoy my work. I enjoy meeting people and working with people. And I have actor friends who are not like that. They're, you know, they complain that nothing's ever right. And that, 
that reputation gets around for them. And, and unfortunately, they there are jobs that they don't get because of that reputation. But I think I've always had the reputation as someone who uh, does good work, but also is easy to work with and uh, has a good time, you know, enjoys it. You're definitely easy to talk to. Oh, thanks. So are you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. In the vein of meeting people, on a film you worked on, you met somebody that I would have killed to meet. You worked on Body Slam. Oh, yeah. And got to meet Rowdy Roddy Piper. Not only did I get to meet him, and he was my, one of my heroes at the time as well, I got to wrestle him, which was really cool. Um, and at that time, I was probably 140 pounds, uh, you know, six foot tall, 140 pounds. And I played a character, Pee Wee Hutchins. And my character had a, a brother, Little Will Hutchins, who uh, was about 400 pounds. And the two of us uh, were a tag team. We wrestled Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Tonga Kid, if you remember him from uh, WWF. Yeah. Um, Sam Fatu is his name. And uh, that was really fun. And spent a couple weeks on that on that film. We shot out in San Bernardino, California. And one of my greatest memories of that was I, I was still was maybe I was just old enough to go into bars at that time. And um, after shooting one day, we all went for drinks. Now we're sitting in a local dive bar. Um, Dirk Benedict was in it. So he was there in the bar. And um, Tanya Roberts, uh, actress, was there. And a bunch of the WWF wrestlers. And uh, the director, Hal Needham, was a he was such a great director and directed a bunch of um, those Burt Reynolds movies and uh, former stuntman. Well, a fight broke out between two of the wrestlers and a local chapter of the Hells Angels. Oh, no. <laughs> this fight, it was like Hal Needham, who had directed and choreographed tons of bar fights in his movies, couldn't have directed and choreographed this one better. It was so just out of a movie. And bottles were flying, breaking overheads, and chairs were flying. And and I remember Hal Needham breaking up the fight and trying to get the cast of his movie out of the bar so they could shoot the next day. And uh, and we made it. Oh, we didn't make it. <laughs> um, I won't I won't mention names, but one of the actors ended up in jail that night. And <laughs> so we getting to just sit around by the pool for the next few days, waiting for them to get that actor out of jail. <laughs> But that was very exciting, a great memory uh, of Body Slam. But my best memory of uh, of all was uh, spending time with Rowdy Roddy Piper and actually being in the ring wrestling Roddy Piper. I couldn't imagine what that was like. Really neat. I actually have a picture of me on his back. Really great photo. I'll send it to you. Sweet. <laughs> did you start music when you were a kid, or did that come later in life? As a kid, uh, we all did. My brothers and I all started playing music very young. Um, my older brother and I started taking accordion lessons. I think I must have been maybe five or six years old and then um, went from accordion to piano lessons. And then when I was in fifth grade, uh, our public school offered music class in fifth grade. And one of my dad's best friends, Phil Perales, was uh, my dad's buddy and also a black belt in karate. They trained in karate together. Phil was also the band director at uh, a high school nearby. And when any, when I or any of my brothers uh, became old enough to start taking music in the schools, he would drive over to our house with a van full of every musical instrument you could imagine. And he would open up the back doors and he said, "Pick one." <laughs> it was it was wonderful. I picked the trumpet, and 
and still to this day play the trumpet. And uh, one of my brothers, my older brother, picked the trombone when it was his turn. And one of my brothers, the saxophone. Uh, and that's how it went. And we just, music is kind of in our DNA. And uh, later on in life, I took a trip to Ireland with one of my brothers, my brother Danny. And, and on that trip, we learned where it comes from. Our family, uh, dating back generations in Ireland, were known as musicians. And I, I really think that that is in our blood and, and still is. The fighting horn section. That's right. <laughs> well, there were a few fights, but it was always in self-defense, of course. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you guys uh, had a band together. Yeah, still do, actually. We play together in uh, quite a few different musical projects. You guys were the horn section with uh, General Public on uh, the remake, uh, on their remake, um, I'll Take You There. That's right, yeah. That was a really fun thing we did. Uh, Dave Wakeling and Ranking Roger from the English Beat, a band that we all loved when, back when we were younger and uh, followed them. Um, their band, that band broke up. They reformed as General Public and started becoming really popular and were asked by Sony Pictures to record this remake of the Staple Singer hit, I'll Take You There. And the Staple Singers were wonderful, and I loved their version. And um, and we were asked to be the horn section, my two of my brothers and myself, on this remake that uh, Sony Pictures did for the movie Threesome. And that version became really popular on the radio, and uh, it was always great to, still now, uh, it, it plays, but it was on the air all the time back then, and I'd, I'd be, I remember being down in Mexico with my buddies on vacation, and we're in a dance club, and there it comes on the, over the, you know, speakers, and uh, it's a really cool version of it, if you ever get a chance to hear it. Uh, General Public's I'll Take You There. Uh, and before that, you guys... Uh, we're all kind of part of the, uh, I, I guess, the groundswell of the uh, ska movement in the area. Yeah, it's become uh, an actual musical uh, term now, Orange County Ska. And we were, our band was one of the first, if not the first ska band, uh, uh, you know, back in the early 80s, was it late 70s? Uh, and uh, we, we started playing this music that hardly anybody had ever heard before in that area. And some people thought we were freaks, but others really got into it. And, uh, you know, we had bands that we would open for us, and one of them was No Doubt. And, of course, they became a huge uh, hit. But uh, they would open up for us, and then we'd go on and uh, we had quite a scene in those days, and that, that developed into a real, you know, a real, real scene. Orange County Ska, OC Ska. It's crazy to think that No Doubt opened for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, crazy for I mean, me to think that. Yeah. But they were, you know, they were they were just a little bit younger than us, and uh, at the time didn't have a horn section. So, uh, you know, sometimes they'd ask us to uh, hop up there and, and sit in with them on horns, and, uh, and they were always super super nice even when they started to you know gain some notoriety and fame they were always really nice and um ran into them uh gosh i guess 10 years ago now we were at uh, at a show at the universal amphitheater and uh, my buddies go hey look who it is it's it's tony from no doubt they go why don't you go say hi you know you know him right i go yeah but you know they're all famous now i'm not gonna go bother him and uh next thing i know uh, he looks at me, I look at him, we shake hands, and, and he goes, Gwen, Gwen, look who it is. And there's Gwen Stefani, and she comes <laughs> over. And all my buddies who who heard the stories of uh, them opening for us and us playing together, uh, they were going, oh, uh, I guess he wasn't lying. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> then Gwen 
then Gwen Stefani calls her sister over. He goes, she says, look who it is. Remember those St. Patrick's Day parties we used to go to? They come to our big party in our house. And, and now here they are, big stars. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And now you have the ultimate tribute band to the Beach Boys. The Beach that's Toys. right, the Beach Boys. Yeah, we've been doing that since the year 2000. So, gosh, almost 20 years now. 20 years, yeah. Um, I've always loved the music of the Beach Boys. And uh, a good friend of mine who I'd sung with uh, at Disneyland, in the Dapper Dans of Disneyland, Barbershop Quartet, he says, hey, would you be interested in being in a, a tribute to the Beach Boys? I said, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, because as an actor, I've got plenty of spare time. You know, uh, I go from project to project, but there's plenty of downtime. And he said, what we want to do is uh, we want to play the music of the Beach Boys note for note and sing it note for note like they do. Uh, you'll be playing uh, all the Mike Love parts, singing all the Mike Love parts. And, um, and we're going to... Uh, try to recreate their music. Just want to do it live from them back when they were starting. I thought that's a great idea. It took a long time to get it together because you know when you listen to Beach Boys music, sometimes it just sounds so simple and nice. But if you listen closely to it, it's not simple at all. It's very complex. And uh, we spent a lot of time breaking down each song so that we could perform it just like they would have live back in the day. And um, and it's. It's so much fun and rewarding to do that, especially for audiences who appreciate the Beach Boys music. And we've gotten to travel all around the world doing it, uh, and uh, you know, all over big venues, casinos, cruise ships, all over. It's, it's been quite a, uh, you know, quite a uh, rewarding experience. What's your favorite Beach Boys song? Oh my gosh, people ask me that, and it changes all the time. I think right now I would go with. Um, God Only Knows from the Pet Sounds album. Oh, nice. But it, it changes. I love so much the music, and I think it depends on where I am in my life. Uh, I might choose a different Beach Boys song, you know? Yeah, I, I have two, and they've always been tied for top two. It's uh, Kokomo and Little Deuce Scoop. Oh, yeah, that's great. Well, we do we do those. We do we do most of their repertoire. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I would say I can't imagine <clears throat> what it's like doing a you know a tribute show and stuff like that. But I just started a tribute podcast for one of my friends' podcast shows. So oh yeah, <laughs> there you go. So now you're a tribute artist. <laughs> um, well, what do you say we start talking about the uh, show that brought laughter and smiles to millions of kids and still adults everywhere? I love it. It's uh, one of the greatest experiences of my life, still is. Zoobly Zoo, where you played Lookout Bear, the adventure-seeking, jeep-driving bear. <laughs> yep. You're the only one who drove. Is that right? I guess you're right. Um, yeah, you had a vehicle, seen... and then, yeah. I mean, there was the shuttle for the Tunnel of Surprise. That's right. But We never saw who drove that, though, did we? No, you had you know, you know, had the uh, runabout. That, that was it. That's right, yep. Kind of fun. I remember... Um, when they introduced it and brought it onto the set, I was so excited. Wow, that's mine. I get to drive that. <laughs> um, so it's really cool. I love my old runabout. Yeah, I'd like to build one just, just yeah. for the fun of it. it. You know, it was the chassis of a golf cart. I believe it. It looked yeah, to be about that a, size. Yeah, they took a golf cart and uh, just repainted it, rebuilt the you know the outside. And, uh, so the to drive it, it's just like a golf cart. It has a, an accelerator pedal and one brake pedal, and that's it. And it, they would charge it overnight, electrical charge, you know. So you're eco-friendly, too. That's right. <laughs> of course. Now, that show seemed to take 
extra care to make sure that the stories and the storylines weren't just like haphazardly put together like most kids shows of the day um i'm glad you noticed that but what a lot of people don't realize is that when a writer we had a, a, a staff of writers but they would also take submissions uh from other writers and um and then when a script is would be finalized a final draft of that script would then go to a whole a whole team of child psychologists i remember dr gordon berry was um was one of them and and he would take a look and uh and the other psychologists would take a look and just make sure they'd go over each script and make sure that there wasn't anything in there that that might even be questionable damaging in any way um to kids uh, either either something that one of the characters might say or an action. And and that's uh, what I think you mean by the care that went into it. And then even as performers, the actors during a scene, we might even say, wait a minute, instead of saying this this way, wouldn't it be kinder and gentler to say it this way? Or, um, or, or should um, Bravo really take builder beaver by the scruff of the neck and pull him to a theater couldn't he gently maybe put his arm around him and walk together and just little things like that um that made kind of set it apart i think especially at that time from other kids shows well and that it would seem that yeah a lot of research and stuff went into it because the stories and everything still hold up to today i mean yeah you well okay film quality might not be the greatest right right but you could run that same, you know, pick an episode, run a, run the same storyline today, and it's completely relevant. Yeah. Um. And just recently, since we've been planning this Zoobly Zoom reunion, uh, uh, one of our, well, the executive producer of Zoobly Zoo, Steve Binder, he he got on to social media, and and we've been in contact, and he brought up the fact that there was an effort made. I didn't remember this at the time, but now looking back, um. It makes sense. There was an effort made to not um, date the show, to not have anything in any episode where you can say, oh, uh, that isn't relevant anymore. And and you're right. You brought it up that, you know, it still holds up because of that, because you, you can't date the show. We don't say or do anything that uh, is particular to to that era. Um, and and it was interesting just recently to find out that there was uh, you know an effort to, to do that. Well, and like for instance, uh, the episode "Strike Up the Band" where it's uh, was that's birthday, uh -huh. you know, and everyone's you know everyone wants to put on this fake uh, band performance for, her and everyone's learning the instruments, but then like the rental bill doesn't get paid or something. <laughs> <laughs> and no instruments. Yeah. Well, okay, you're bummed out. And then it's like, wait, we don't have to have the big fancy things. We can make her something, and she will still appreciate it. Yeah. You know, that's a story that will be relevant until the end of time. Yeah. I mean... And, you know, think about the deep, the deeper message in that. Think about all the kids who grow up, and their parents can't afford those things. And, and their parents can't afford... You know all the things they see other kids getting to do or toys and 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 then they get to see there's their friends the Zubels saying hey you don't need that stuff there's we can you know we have each other for one we can use our imagination and we can we can do whatever we want with our imagination and we um, can make a, we can make instruments out of trash yeah and think about how empowering that might be um, for kids who 
who are less fortunate who don't have um, you know fancy musical instruments well that's okay they can still they can still be musicians they can still have a band you know oh yeah you know and that that was always you know that has always been my favorite thing about the show it was insanely inclusive you know if if you were a rich kid you liked it if you were you know a poor kid you liked it it was Uh for kids who liked the show it was the great unifier it didn't yeah. matter skin color it didn't matter social status yeah. you were a zubaru i mean well think about think about the skin colors <laughs> if you want to talk skin colors we've got pink we got pink we've got yellow we've got gray we've got green <laughs> you know and i think that is the message there is that here are uh six seven different species living together in harmony and and that is even uh, a message uh, of you know how we we are different you know everybody we all are unique and different but that's what makes us such a great family such a great um you know the uh, such a great universe is that we're so different in many ways but we're really all the same in ways too and when we come together we feed well off of each other that's right and we need each other and we depend on each other and that's okay i will say one of my favorite parts from that episode is seeing you uh quail on the uh, trumpet oh yeah <laughs> that's one of the things that the producers did is they said well let's incorporate your talents as actors and uh we'll write we'll write them in the scripts and and that happened to be one of the things they said yeah we're gonna have you play some trumpet on this one great do you have a favorite episode aye, aye, aye. same with the beach boys question uh you know uh, it changes my different times over the years i've had different favorite zoobly zoo episodes i would I would say that some of my favorites are Bear Behind the Badge. Where, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned uh, that I one. Get, yeah, I get out of control, uh, power hungry. Um, Here's a ticket. Have a nice day. Yeah, have a nice day. <laughs> um, that's fun. Uh, Lookout Super Zubal was uh, a premise that I submitted uh, to the producers, and they made a show out of it where – uh, I want to save everybody. Lookout Bear becomes a superhero, wants to save everybody. And uh, through the course of that show, they all kind of teach him that, that they love him for who he is. He doesn't have to be a superhero to be accepted and loved, that he just has to be himself. And so that's one of my favorites. What What's one of your favorites, Moose? Bear behind the badge. <laughs> <laughs> um. And yeah, it's just honestly the the thing that sticks out the most is here's a ticket. Have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> and did do you notice through the course of the show at first, he look out so nice. Here's a ticket. Have a nice day. Then he turns into Dirty Harry <laughs> with the ticket book. <laughs> yeah. And did you ever notice that uh Lookout's badge keeps getting bigger and bigger until it's just huge? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite episodes. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I forgot where I was going. Hmm. We got all excited about Bear's Bear Behind the Bag. I know. <laughs> I hate when that happens. I mean, I don't, yeah. but I do. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I know that you interviewed Gary Schwartz, who plays Bravo Fox, and uh, we just have the the best time when we get together over Zoom or or even all together in person, which rarely happens, but. Um, gosh, the stories that uh, fly around, the laughs that we have talking about different episodes, different, uh, you know, mess ups and 
I don't know if you've seen the outtakes of Zoobly Zoo. Pretty the, uh, funny. The infamous uh, yeah, yeah. outtake trailer. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there's one that, that's flying around the internet that is kind of a very tame version. But we also have a uh, an extended version of an outtake reel that is pretty funny. I need to find the extended one. We'll we'll see if we can get it to you. Because yeah, it's I, I love the uh, I think it's listed as the edited one. It's like this is uh-huh. edited. Yeah. <laughs> What's edited? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, You'll see. Hey, actually, that helped because I remembered where I was going now. Um. So when I was interviewing Gary. I had mentioned to him that another thing I liked about the show was, you know, each Zubal had their own identity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a kid, you would tend to gravitate towards, you know, one, you know, persona, whether it's, I'm an artist, so I'm going to gravitate towards Van Gogh, or, you know, I like music, I'm going to gravitate towards was that. And what I mentioned to Gary was, at different points in my life, and I think Stevie brought this up on uh, the Zoobly Zoo page, I, I have gravitated towards all of you at some point, uh-huh. which I, I think is amusing, because uh, I like camping and the outdoors and outdoor adventures because of, you know, Lookout Bear, and, you know, it you know reminds me of times with, you know, my grandpa and stuff like that, but, uh-huh. you know, it's, okay, that's my part, that, that's part of my personality. Mm-hmm. And then when we're not under quarantine, I sell wood burnings at uh, conventions where, you know, it's doing a lot of artwork and stuff like that, so it's been a lot of connecting with, you know, Van and go and mm-hmm. just connecting with the different zoobles it's just like hey well played tv well played yeah and and i don't think there was ever an effort to to find the one side of a child's personality that that may identify with one character i think uh the creators of zoobly zoo realize that children people have lots of different facets to their personality and and don't need to just pick one um one zoobel to identify with but different parts different you know parts of their personality might identify with different zoobels and i think that uh is a good a healthy thing for kids to recognize that they have different different sides of their personalities and, and different likes and different interests so, and it's and okay then, you know obviously they may change over time yeah you know something you liked as a kid you might not necessarily like as an adult but right. what, what i liked about it was it showed that all of these creative outlets bounce well off of each other yeah yeah you know it, it's and all it was, part of a whole yeah well and it was like you hear about people talk about a labor of love and uh, and it started as a labor of love, and it grew. And still today, when we are contacted uh, by people who are affected um, so positively by Zoobly Zoo, um, we realize that all that hard work was so worth it. And it was hard. I mean, we were shooting long days. We would shoot five shows a week. Um, when we first started, uh, our, our executive producer told us, well, because of the extensive makeup, um, you won't be able to eat anything for lunch. So we're going to uh, have you just uh, a drink um, smoothies for lunch. And we as a cast said, well, no, we're, that's not going to be possible. We won't, we won't survive a long day. And, uh, and he agreed to go, okay, so uh, we'd be in makeup in the morning and and the PA would come over with menus from the surrounding restaurants, and they would uh, they would send out for our lunch, which was so nice of them. You know, we order from a different restaurant every day. I think some maybe Sandy Grin. Uh, he didn't want to bother uh, 
eating uh, with his makeup. So I, he may have done smoothies, but the rest of us, most of us, you know, had uh, takeout every day to, from a different restaurant. And uh, But the days were long and hard and we're in a, a studio in Van Nuys shooting. So anytime an airplane would fly over from uh, Van Nuys Airport, we'd have to stop and wait and then continue shooting. And, uh, you know, just like in any sound stage, we couldn't have the air conditioning on while the cameras were rolling. So we would rehearse a scene and then they'd shut the air conditioning off. We'd shoot the scene and then you'd hear right, right when the director would yell cut, the air conditioner would go on and uh, they would have us all the zoobles in makeup in one area. They had, I remember, a big uh, air conditioning duct that they brought all the way so it would just shoot the cold air from the air conditioner right on us and so we didn't melt in that makeup. Oh, the and, makeup and the fur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the days were long and hard and uh, there were a lot of obstacles and it was so worth it. We knew at the time it was... Uh, a really great thing. We didn't know how, how great it was going to be and what it was going to turn into and how much it was going to mean to us, but also the audience and especially kids growing up. So I know Steve recently made the comment. Uh, he's like, these guys weren't doing it for the pay, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe all of us made the minimum at the time, the AFTRA, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, um, I believe we were all making after a minimum for a TV series at the time. So it wasn't terrible money, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't huge. And then, uh, of course, we made residuals for years after that. Um, you know, so the money wasn't wasn't bad. It wasn't great, you know, but um, but there were the rewards uh, were great. Many, many great rewards. Speaking of great rewards. You guys all had the pleasure of working with what I could, with whom, I'm sorry, I could only imagine is probably one of the kindest and most lighthearted people to have ever walked this planet, and that would be uh, late Forrest Gardner. Yeah, yeah. What was he like on set, and and not just on set, but in life and in general? Uh, he was very similar to, to his character on Zoobly Zoo. He was, he was very funny. Um. Uh, that's one thing that's different. I don't think Van Gogh Lion, I don't remember him being much of a cut-up as a character. Forrest was funny, outrageously funny, um, full of life, full of love, gentle, uh, caring, and um, and super talented. I mean, uh, you know, we miss him. Very much so. Every time it come, come on screen, I know I would light up, and at least my group of friends, yeah, I, can't, I can't speak for everybody, but the people that I watched the show with would light up, just looking forward to seeing them come on screen, you know, watching yeah. them dance. And... One of my greatest memories, and, you know, I was so fortunate to work with that whole cast, all of them, each one of them, so talented. Uh, Louise Valens, a uh, great actress and singer and dancer. And Karen Hartman, I love her so much. Just so great. Gary Schwartz, so talented and funny. He taught me so much. And Sandy Grin, uh, Ben Vereen, all of them. I remember after a long day of shooting, I was done shooting. Sandy Grin was done shooting all his scenes. And the last scene they were shooting for the day was Van Gogh singing So Many Colors in the World. And it just took my breath away most of the set had cleared out and Sandy and I were watching him shoot that scene 
and he sang that song and it was so beautiful and sandy and i had our arms around each other watching him shoot the scene and right when they finished and said cut the only thing we could think of to say was we know him we know that guy we're so proud of him so proud to be working with him because it was such a special moment and sandy and i kept yelling we know him we know him <laughs> such a talented guy so he had, he had such a beautiful voice, and, I mean, it's a, a talent that will truly be missed. Yeah, a great dancer, really good dancer. That was greatly showcased in the Galatea episode. Yep, yep. Which, I, it was funny, I remember in uh, high school, I was taking Latin, and uh, the teacher mentioned Galatea. I was like, Galatea, where have I heard that name? Oh, Zubili Zoo. Yeah, yep. A <laughs> <laughs> lot, of, lot, of lot of historical references. Even the character, Van Gogh Lion, the artist, you know. And and I bet a lot of kids, when when they started learning about art history, realized, wait wait a minute, Van Gogh, Van, Van Gogh Lion, the artist, Van Gogh! <laughs> it all connects, you know. It's like, ah, uh, education was beaten into my head. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> well, moving on, I know you do a lot of work with uh, Star Education. Mm-hmm. Star Education is a nonprofit educational organization. Uh, based in Los Angeles, but um, they provide programs for kids all over the country, mostly in Southern California, but also in other states. And what is it that you do specifically? Well, I was hired uh, to come in to Star Education and uh, run the theater department and uh, bring theater, musical theater, to kids all over Southern California. A lot of them in areas that um, wouldn't be able to afford a program like that. And Star Education would provide it. And uh, we would write musicals. And I would use a lot of the tools that, that I gained from doing Zoobly Zoo in order to make each of our musical productions um, not just entertaining, but also uh, be something with a message. And, uh, and, and then kids would perform these shows all over uh, L.A. And, uh, and we would hire teachers. We would train the teachers to, uh, to do the shows, teach the kids, and direct the shows. And then uh, they asked me, Star Education asked me to move into a, a different department and, and help with making other programs, science and technology, mathematics, uh, tech, all these things, uh, a little more entertaining for kids so that, so that maybe they're a little more engaged when they're learning about whatever, biology or, um, you know, science, anything, uh, and a lot of technology now in the classrooms. But uh, they asked me to to, to uh, take these programs and make them more entertaining. So I find that kids, when they're having fun, they're more engaged and they can retain more of the information um, if, if it's just a little more entertaining for them rather than just sitting listening to a teacher lecture and and I get to uh, make learning fun basically it's awesome you know so you you've pretty much spent your adult life teaching and bringing fun to kids yeah yeah and not just kids you know as an actor I don't I'm not always fortunate enough to get a job that is geared towards kids I've got to take you know the jobs that I can get um, but it turns out a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I get to do as an actor is geared towards children and I'm glad well I'm See, and it goes back to in, enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. With that, uh, where can your fans find you on social media and such? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. I, I check into Facebook now and then. You can find me on Facebook. 
I don't do a lot of like Twitter or Instagram, but uh, I guess Facebook is the only real social media place uh, that I show up. That's I guess that's where you can find me. Find you on uh, your personal page and the uh... yeah and the Zoobly Zoo page, and you know we have a, a beach toys page on facebook but we don't really uh check into that one too much maybe uh you know maybe we'll spend more time on that now that we are all sitting at home twiddling our thumbs <laughs> at the moment I said, you got nothing else to do <laughs> yeah really <laughs> well i mean this has been fun honestly I, I think you and i could do this all day oh yeah it's fun talking to you and we'll get to talk to you a little more hopefully on monday yeah june 1st folks you can find him on Facebook, you can find me over at electronicmediacollective.com with many other great podcasts or on Twitter at the handle Moose Media Inc. Michael, thanks for coming on and bull spinning with me. Well, it's been a pleasure, Moose. Um, and thank you for your interest in Zoobly Zoo and, and me of all people. I really appreciate it. Oh, entirely my pleasure. I mean, you guys, you and the rest of the cast have been such a huge part of my life. And when I set out to do these series of interviews, I, I, I was really happy when Gary said yes, and then you said yes. And then, like I said, you were able to help me start to get the ball rolling to get others on board. You know, I, now there's the Zoom meeting on Monday, mm -hmm. so I'm I'm on cloud nine. I mean, oh, me too, <laughs> me too. And um, we're going to be depending on you so much, I think, during that because uh, who knows? Nobody knows what to expect, and you'll you'll be kind of the moderator, aren't you? Like a screener of sorts. Yeah, you'll be playing Mayor Ben. I hear that's what I hear. <laughs> that's great. I'll find out all the details a little bit before we go live on Monday. Yeah, yeah. No pressure. <laughs> we, you know, we all got together the other day. We got together and uh, and just decided we're just going to have fun and see what happens. We just expect to be together with people who uh, have a common interest and love of Zoobly Zoo. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a blast. Oh, I do too. I can't wait for it. Uh, well, it's uh, we're almost there. With that, Moose Peck, remember, a lot of good podcasts out there. But if you didn't hear it here, it's probably just a load of bull spit. Until next time, take her easy. Ooh-wee, that sure was some bull spit. But I sure had fun. Junior, you need some help. Be sure to tune in next time.